What's up, everybody? My name is Cody Yard, and I am the host of The Buzz with the Fuzz. It's Apple Valley's Police Department podcast. We're going to do some fun stuff with this thing. We're going to do chatting with the chief. We're going to do some Q&As. And we're going to do some longer format podcasts where we sit down with folks from specialty units and you guys get to learn about who they are and what they do. I got my start in journalism back in 2002 as a combat correspondent in the United States Marine Corps. Really excited to be the host of this podcast here with the police department. And I'm really looking forward to bringing you some new fun facts and information that you might not know about Apple Valley's police department. So stick around, buckle up, and let's have some fun. My name is Cody Yard. I'm sitting down here with Chief Nick Francis of the Apple Valley Police Department. This is going to be our first of what we hope is a bunch of podcasts to come to you guys out in the public so yep. that you get a better understanding of who we are, who our officers are, and basic knowledge about the police department. And I think the goal here is to give you guys an inside look and a little bit more transparency uh, as to how we function and who we are. Right. There's a lot of ways that as a department we can communicate with the public. It's pretty rare that people just come up to an officer and say, hey, tell me about yourself. I'm Tommy from down the street. Let me know your name and who you are. Um, we do get that. We get a ton of people that come up to us, but um, we want to be able to offer anybody that listens or watches any possible way that wants to learn about the police department to, to have that opportunity. So uh, I think a podcast is a great idea, an opportunity for us to get um, our message out there and, and let people know who we are as um, as their police department. And also, more importantly, who we are as people, because that's uh, in the end, that's that's all we want to be is just people and, and want to be part of our community. Absolutely. I think there's a big push for this phrase, humanizing the badge, right? And we see a lot of that through different social media platforms some are well received and some aren't and i think that if we can get in and talk about just who we are as human beings like we have lives outside of this police department and just because we get dressed and wear the same thing every day to work and we're charged with basically what i think is enforcing societal norms that some people don't like it's interesting because every every interaction that we generate with the public like when i turn my squad lights on that could that right there is is a confrontation yep and so i think what we really want to what we really want to drive home here is that we're not always out for confrontation right yeah and who we are and, and how we grew up really drives how we interact as a police officer how you grow up and, and the environment you grow up in um, really ends up kind of evolving into your niche in law enforcement law enforcement is a huge umbrella and there's so many different niches and opportunities within the profession, whether it's a supervisory position, a canine handler, a detective, victim advocate, but how you grow up and the person that you are really contributes to that. And that's beneficial to our department. It's beneficial to our community because we all are very unique. And within the department, we can find that little niche and what we're really good at. We all have to be competent in everything we do in law enforcement. We all have to be able to arrest a drunk driver, respond to the armed robbery and, and help a child that broke their leg during a soccer game. We have to do all that, but we can excel at different things. And then when we get to the scene of a very chaotic situation where there's 8, 10, 12, 15, the entire department on scene, we all find what we're, we're really good at and work as a team to, to put people in those positions to, to be successful. That's a, that's a great place to start. Let's talk about a broad overview of the police department. Sure. Every police department in the state of Minnesota by law is required to have a chief of police. So there has to be one person that is the, the 
executive officer of that department and responsible for all of the, the training and the requirements and the statutory obligations of that department. Uh, so that's me. In Apple Valley, we also have one deputy chief, and then we have two lieutenants. And so as you break down our command structure, the chief of police, again, interacts with the council, more uh, of a face for some of the community events, does some more of the administrative processes of discipline, hiring, recruiting, and, and handles the requests to get funding, do our budget, those type of office items. The deputy chief does primarily the last year, he has done almost exclusively hiring because of the hiring process that we've had and the, the challenges we've had as a, not only a department, but a profession. Much of Deputy Chief Dahlstrom's job the last year has just been hiring, getting people in the pipeline, getting them interviewed, background, physical, psychological, medical background, get them into training, and then rinse, repeat, and, and continue to do that. And then our lieutenants are, if you think about it as a work unit, the lieutenants are responsible for a work unit. So we have one operations lieutenant that's in charge of everything in patrol, and then another one that's professional standards that's in charge of kind of our training. And uh, right now is also in charge of our specialty units um, that I'll talk about. We have community impact unit and our investigative team. So the administrative side of our department is a, a very small. It's, it's There's four of us that, that handle that. And it, are, it is usually things that are less pressing, not a ton of things that we have to drop everything for and, and go out and run and do. We're not really tied to the radio. We're not responding to calls that often. So it allows us the opportunity to just handle the, the administrative side of the police department. We have kind of three primary work groups in the department. The first one is patrol. That's, that's what everyone looks and sees as a kind of the lifeblood of the police department. That's our folks in uniform. They're driving Mark squad cars. They've got all the equipment on their body and on their belt to go out and handle police matters. And it's also the biggest division in our department. So right now at fully staffed, we have 28 uh, patrol officers that work across three different shifts with some fillers in there. But that's when you think about a police department and when you think about police officer, there usually is, it's the patrol division that you're thinking of. They're the ones that go out, they're answering the 911 calls. They are out there enforcing traffic law, arresting drunk drivers. Uh, so that's our patrol staff. We also have an investigative team. And so anything that really spans outside the city of Apple Valley or as a serious crime goes up to investigative team. So a lot of the time, our reports, our initial reports, whether it's a fraud or a forgery uh, or a theft that originates in patrol, there's a patrol officer that comes up, takes the report. And if it's a scam or something like that, um, they will forward that up to investigations and, and those detectives will then take it and, and do their follow-up. We also have a community impact unit. It's evolving and we could have a hopefully have a whole episode on CIU, our community impact unit, and that is basically the problem solvers of the department. It's so they are the ones that go out and try to address problems more at their root, whereas the police officer the on patrol may go respond to a call, put a Band-Aid on something. They know they're probably, they haven't solved anything, but maybe they've helped for the night. Maybe they have to go back 10 minutes, 10 hours later, but eventually the CIU helps maybe handle some of those problems a little bit more at their root. Yeah, uh, I like that. I, I like that you use the problem solver unit because I will say since the inception of our mental health resource officer and then our embedded social worker, some of what I like, what I refer to as our repeat customers, they've actually gone down significantly that I've noticed on patrol. So yep. I really do like that 
that phrase. Yeah. And that's essentially within the community impact unit, the biggest thing that we're working on, the biggest challenge and the, and the biggest opportunity for growth right now is just within that responding to the mental health crisis calls in our community. And, and we know that um, we need to get resources to people in a, a more succinct way and telling someone, hey, here's this number, call for a doctor's appointment to see a psychologist and you'll get in in six months doesn't really solve right. or help them. And so uh, we've done some unique partnerships with other entities that aren't law enforcement, try to offer better resources to our community in a more responding way so that we're there when they're in mental health crisis. We may not be able to get them out of that crisis, but we're trying to connect them with the resources sooner than later. So they're not in crisis for days or weeks or months. They know who to call and they, they have an opportunity to try to bridge that gap till they get some more long-term care. And then our last unit is our records unit. And so that is a group of non-sworn police record staff. And they do an amazing work, uh, amount of work just processing. If you can think about how much data there is and how much information you have, whether it's on your phone, written down in credit card, bank statements, whatever, when we take reports and we do police work, that comes with a lot of data and a lot of red tape, so to speak, that uh, is put into state law and federal, federal law as well for what we can share, what we can't share. And our records unit works to process all that paperwork, get all those reports, and then get them to the right people, whether that's a prosecutor, whether that's social services, uh, child protection, or back to the officer so that they can uh, prepare for court. So our records is our other unit that really works to support everything we do as a department. And they work really hard to protect people's privacy. Right? Absolutely. I mean, we're, they're making sure that we're not releasing information that shouldn't be released. Yeah. And, and with the advent of body cameras, there's so much more that we are producing in terms of data every day when we're out there, whether it's on a medical or a traffic stop or a call for service, we are recording a ton of data. And quite frankly, the public doesn't really appreciate us coming into their house and recording their private interactions and their private Residents, right, and so that's why we have some pretty good data protection laws in Minnesota that allows us to um, to release what needs to be released, but also to protect uh, the public's right to privacy because we want them to trust us when we go into their house. We we want to make sure they trust us just as they would a family member. Right. When I'm out, I understand that when I'm entering into somebody's home, that's like the most private place that I can be, and so I couldn't imagine like coming back and. You know, you hear stories about people getting in trouble because there's body camera footage on their personal cell phones because they've gone back and somehow like recorded or whatever it is. And it's just like that's the, bad for everybody. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, the, and that that's just that just doesn't build the trust that we don't respect people's privacy. Yep. You know, so well, let's talk about the mission statement of the police department. With any department, it's my belief that you need a mission. You need to have a solid mission statement and you need everybody to understand what that is. Most importantly, the people that are carrying that mission out. Um, we'll talk a little bit more at the end, but uh, kind of how, how we are moving to post-pandemic. But during the pandemic and with the unrest and kind of the last couple of years with our hiring, I won't call it a crisis in Apple Valley, but certainly hiring challenges that we've had, we were very reactive for for everything. We, we had very low staff numbers, so we weren't able to go out and do a lot of proactive work. Uh, we were very focused on trying to fill gaps in our schedule where we were pulling away from our supplementary positions out of investigations, out of community impact unit just to fulfill our patrol mission. And so we have a great mission statement that now we are 
kind of post-pandemic and looking to the future. And it's a great opportunity for us all as, as department members to remind ourselves what the mission is and, and what that looks like. And so our mission, it's printed on the back of our business cards. It's on a floor mat when you walk into the police department, when you walk out of the police department. It's in our history wall on the second level of the department. We're having a new facility built where we'll have um, some operations for our patrol uh, garage facility, locker room, place for us to, to store our gear properly. It'll be prominently displayed out there. Um, and, and our mission is to protect our community, improve quality of life through service, education, and enforcement. The first thing, we are protectors. That's number one. Like if someone comes to work, they have to understand they are a protector. They are not a warrior. They are a guardian. That, that is their job is to protect. Is That's first and foremost job of our police force. And, and the next part is in improving quality of life. There's a lot of people that will call the police department because it's a life or death situation, but there are a lot more that call the police department and ask for help because of quality life issues, loud music, traffic, speeding by their house, not dangerously aggressive traffic that someone's going to get killed, but just general traffic driving too fast. In the school system, we have school resource officers that are there primarily just to create relationships, but improving that quality of life is really important because we can do that. We, we are the only number that you call 24-7 and someone is going to answer and you're going to get service. Like even during the pandemic there, you could call your credit card company. You could call you could call anybody and very few people would answer. The police department always answers and always has to answer. And so improving that quality of life is something we do very well. And so that's, that's secondary. And then we call them our tenants of our mission statement is we do all this through service, education, and enforcement. Again, in that order. First thing we do is we serve. We, we put others before us, whether it's a dangerous call, whether it's a, an armed robbery suspect, whether it's a, a, a hostage situation, whatever that dangerous call is, we're serving. So we're, we're going first and we're going to put everyone else behind us. That service is really important to me. I've interviewed hundreds of candidates for police officer, and you may have had the question or not, but like, why do you want to get into law enforcement? And what's the answer? You want to help people. Right. Plain and simple, that's why you want to do the job. Right. So it, it, it to me, it was always a calling, like a calling to law enforcement. And it's not to drive fast. It's not to write tickets. It's not to, you know, give classes. I did not get into law enforcement to do podcasts. I got into help people and, and to serve. And so I think that's, uh, that's the number one tenant of our department is to serve. And I think we, we do that. We also encourage folks to have that as a way of life outside of work, whether that's coaching, whether that's volunteering, whether it's shoveling the neighbor's sidewalk that's a little bit older than you and could use some help. So that's the first tenant of our uh, mission statement. The next one is education. I don't have any hard stats on this, but I would guess for every traffic stop, let's say there's 10 traffic stops, probably seven to eight of those result in education. It's a warning. It's a, you know, hey, you don't have insurance. Here's a, a, a quote unquote fix it ticket. You, you got to go in and, and get it. Uh, show your insurance and you don't get a, uh, a citation, there's no fine associated to it. It's education, doing a podcast like this, having a social media presence, talking to community groups, and just being upfront with people and, and educating them on laws and, and the department in general. Yeah. I, education, I think, you're, I think you're right. Like A lot of those traffic stops do end in education. One of my favorite things to say when I pull people over is, hey, I think you and I having this conversation about whatever driving misconduct that I saw will correct the problem versus me having to give you a ticket for that, right? And typically people are like, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I, and I think that that 
for me personally, that builds a better connection with the community. But if I catch that same person, then, you know, six months down the road, hey, you know, I, I warned you last time for not stopping for the stop sign. Clearly the conversation that we had that we both agreed would change your, your driving conduct didn't work. Yeah. And then issuing a ticket doesn't come without its own ramifications later on down that like we, as police officers, we still understand that, right? Like I yeah. know that if I give you a ticket, that affects your driving or your, um, your insurance. And that's monetarily a hardship for you because it could take money away from your kid's college fund or whatever that looks like, right? And so for me, the education part of that is is very important. Yeah, and, so, and, and we have, as part of that, we have we have a ton of educational programs that as a department we participate in. Night to Unite, Shop with a Cop, Citizens Academy, Teen Police Academy, all these things that our crime prevention specialists Pam Walter does an amazing job organizing and, and executing. Uh, but we also have opportunities for our patrol staff to go out there. Uh, we're part of Lights on Minnesota, which is a, a free opportunity for uh, someone to get lights that are out on their vehicle fixed for free. So if an officer stops someone for no headlight or a taillight busted out or, or, or some turn signal that's broken, we have the opportunity to give them a voucher that goes to a local vendor that they can go to. And then through grant money, that vendor fixes it and is, is paid for their service. But that driver doesn't have that burden of going in and, and getting, um, you know, pretty spendy uh, with the new technology and the right. new cars now. It's not a $10 light bulb anymore. No. It's, it's crazy how how much effort it is to, to change just a light bulb. So some of those opportunities give us the ability to educate and also help fix the problem like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Fix the problem at, our, at their root. Hey, I've been stopped seven times for no headlight. Okay, here, get it fixed for free yeah. and you will get stopped zero times for that headlight tomorrow <laughs> right. or the next day. And so we think do a good job educating and also following that up with the ability to, to fix the problem and, and right. help people. And then the last tenant is enforcement. And, and that, again, it's that order. We serve first, we educate next, we enforce. And that's something that over the course of the last two or three years, I mean, there's the the national narrative and the, the the local narrative about soft on crime, all this other stuff. It's abundantly clear, at least in Apple Valley, that the community wants people held accountable. Not every single speeder that goes by their house, but for people that pay their bills, people that pay their license tabs, people that pay for their gas, people that go into and shop at Walmart or Target or wherever for Christmas gifts for their family and pay for them, they want the next person to have to do the same thing. Right. And they want the police department's help in that. And so that, that's been pretty clear that we have support from not only the city council, but our community to go out and enforce. And you don't have that everywhere. You, you have in different areas of the state, even even different counties, they are prosecutors are not making criminal charges on cases where it's a very low level crime. And my argument to that was if it shouldn't be a crime, then they should take it off the books at the state level, and the prosecutors should not decide who does or who doesn't get charged with a crime. Right. Eventually, everything goes through the prosecutor, and they do, but it's a whole other conversation on policing by race and, and doing enforcement disparately among different communities. But for us, enforcement has always been part of who we are. We, we live and work in a community that has, I think, I believe the, the busiest intersection in all of Dakota County, which is Conrad 42 and Cedar Avenue. 
It's also the third busiest in the state, which means a lot of people passing through have no allegiance to Apple Valley. They're they're passing through. They're coming from somewhere else and they're going somewhere else. And they really don't care about public safety in Apple Valley as much as the residents do. And so we do have a pretty strong background in Apple Valley about enforcement, especially traffic related. I know that is something that's supported by the community. And when we have not even increased enforcement, but consistent enforcement. The benefits we see are uh, decreases in traffic fatalities, decreases in traffic accidents, property damage accidents, and all that stuff, and, and injuries. So enforcement is a, is a part of our, our mission. It's a tenant. Again, it's not the most important, but as a police department, we have to understand and, and accept, as all of us uh, are licensed police officers, that the expectation is we go out there and we enforce the law. So right. that's very important for me to have in our mission statement because you'd be amazed at the people that call and complain about everyone else speeding past their neighborhood or past their house, and then they get a ticket a block down or two blocks down, and they're upset about it. But it's like enforcement's part of our mission. Sorry, right. sorry you got tied up in it, but enforcement is is clear, and, and we want to make sure that it's clear for our patrol officers and also for the community at large that we, we are out there to enforce and that's what the community expects. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The community doesn't, they do expect that of us. And that also is is a quality of life issue for them. Like you said, we see a reduction in traffic accident fatalities and just traffic accidents in general because people know the word gets out, right? People know, hey, don't run red lights, don't speed through Apple Valley. Some Some people say like, oh, they're just on a power trip down there to write a bunch of tickets, but Quite honestly, that's not the point. No, absolutely not. It, it makes our job easier if people are obeying the law, especially traffic laws. If we had every drunk driver drive around Cedar and 42 and drive <laughs> through Rosemount and down to Farmington to get to Burnsville, that'd be just fine by us because it's yep. it's one less community they can impact by their actions. And so, again, it's, it's not something that we are heavy-handed on, but I think everybody knows, and I think back to my college days and and. And anybody that, that's lived or worked in a different community or gone to school somewhere knows. Like, I went to school in Mankato. You, go, you can drive down there. You do not speed through Madison Lake. You do not speed through St. Peter. And that was Correct. like generational. I, had, I was uh, the third in my family to go to these. I had two older brothers that went to Mankato. It was the same thing. It was just known that you just don't speed through those towns. And it wasn't anything that those departments were doing nefariously. They weren't out there. They were just doing their job in that when a car came through, if they had the opportunity and you were speeding and you were not abiding by their rules in their town, you were going to be held accountable for it. And so I think that's what our community expects. And I think that's what our officers can deliver. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good point. We want to enforce laws, right? Because when we enforce laws, that means that our, our community is that much safer. If we don't have a bunch of people coming down here to Apple Valley, stealing from Walmart, stealing from Target, and coming back and doing it again because they know that they can get away with it, it doesn't encourage other people to come down here. Right. And so we want to make sure that through enforcement, we are discouraging people from coming here to commit crime. Yep. And it, the property crimes are fairly minor, but it's pretty complex. I mean, if you're going to go and commit a felony and, and take $5,000 worth of stuff out of Walmart, you're probably not going to do it in your mom and dad's car or your car for that matter. So what we find is stealing car, people stealing cars, whether it's from somewhere close or somewhere farther away up in Minneapolis or St. Paul or another suburb, they'll come down here, use that vehicle as an avenue to get a bunch of property and then get out of there without it being tied to their name or their anybody in their family. That That's a, a, an effective way for them to commit their crimes. And so 
when you have that, again, that theft from Walmart or that theft from Target or CVS, typically it's, it's connected to a number of other crimes, including stolen vehicles, uh, license plate switching, whatever. So there is a, a kind of an exponential effect when you're able to just, you're able to stop that person, arrest them, make sure they know, like, hey, don't do this down in Apple Valley. Yeah. Go somewhere else. This is right. a catch and release down here. You're actually going to be held accountable. Yeah. Um, and we even have businesses where those employees, whether it's loss prevention, the, the GM, they bounce around a little bit. They come from different different communities and work in different stores. And they'll come down here and say, you guys actually come out for this this type of call? Yeah, we do. That's, yeah. You call, we come right. out. And, and they're, they're used to working in other communities where property crimes are just kind of... Uh, it's just accepted that that's going to Yeah, it's a property happen. crime, right? It's not a crime against a person. So there's really no big ramification for that. Right? right. But in the end, when we talk about quality of life, the rest of us all suffer because anytime a business has a loss through theft, that means that they have to make up that elsewhere, which means raising prices. Right. Right. So when people say, well, it's just a property crime or it's just a stolen car, like don't don't risk your life to keep somebody from stealing your car. Well, that car might be the way that that person gets their children to daycare mm-hmm. and then to work to provide for those children. Right. So that's detrimental to their quality of life. Yep. Yep. And so we are we are working our way back to 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 being a community because face it, criminals are a very small percentage of the population. Vast majority of the people we deal with, right. fine, upstanding citizens that would take money out of their own pocket to help someone else, let alone steal from them. And so if we can get to those folks, those criminals that that there maybe this is their 10th time, 15th time, 100th time doing this, eventually holding them accountable will work. The element of crime is a small group. And so we are not uh, out there saying we need to arrest everything, stop everything that moves and arrest every single person that's here in Apple Valley. Right. We're dealing with a very small part percentage of the population. But if you can help them and correct that behavior that criminal history goes from 30, 40, 50 pages down to one or two. And, and again, they're, you may displace them somewhere else. Uh, and that our goal is not to displace them. And, hey, go, go to Rosemont, go to Burnsville. Our goal is if you're here and you do it here, you're, you're going to be held accountable. And we, we, don't, we can't control what you do in a different city, but when you come here and commit that crime, you, you are going to be held accountable from the patrol officer to a booking process where now it's not a catch and release. It's a little bit more of an inconvenience for you. You might have to get out, call someone to pick you up from Apple Valley. Your car may get towed. You might have to go to Hastings. Uh, but you have to remember those people have created that inconvenience for whoever they stole the car from, whoever right. they assaulted, whoever they you know sideswiped while they were drunk, whatever store they stole from. So it's if we get that word out that uh, this is, again, not the place to, to commit your crimes, eventually it gets to those very few that commit a vast majority of the crimes. Yes. This is kind of an interesting thought process because this is kind of return to normalcy post-pandemic, right? Because during the pandemic, there was a lot of uncertainty in in terms of interaction with people and like, you know, all of the fear that came with the COVID-19 scare. And now that we have um, passed that, I think at this point, you know, we're, we're returning to normal operations. So what does that look like for us here at the police department? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I thought about that really long and hard as um, I became the chief in April of 2022. And that was at the tail end of a pandemic, widespread unrest across the world. But the, the ground zero was right here in Minneapolis. And we felt you and I were out <laughs> at, yeah. at, at 
at the scene at, at some of these places. And so that was followed by uh, just a very challenging period of time for hiring uh, and a shortage of, of staff members coming in. And so we had uh, been running short as a department for several years to the point, again, where we're, just, we're plugging holes in the patrol schedule just to get people out there. And so moving forward, we're now, knock on my head here, knock on wood, where we are very close to approaching our, our full complement of staff, which is uh, a tribute to the people that are in the field. It's a tribute to people that have stayed here in Apple Valley and, and wanted to continue working, but more so our, our staff members who are out there recruiting other people to come and work for Apple Valley. And so now we look to the future and what, how do we position ourselves to grow and, and kind of, I don't want to say revolutionize, but reinvent what we are as a department going forward. And to me, that points right back to our mission. I've, I've hammered on our mission statement in the first part of that mission statement. The first, I guess, objective is to get everyone in our in-house within the police department, A, to understand it. And B, to, to jump on board and adopt, like, this is what we're about. This is, I can right. do this. Yeah, we um, should embody that. Right. right. And so what I've relayed, that those tenants, service, education, enforcement, every single day, every single one of us can go out and do something to make an improvement through service, education, enforcement. It seems pretty simple, but it, it's, it, you'd be amazed at how many people go, oh, that's all I got to do. Like, go out, serve someone, go out and okay, you're on the midnight, you're on the dog watch shift, go out and check a mall for doors, check open doors at a mall. You you find an open door, that's preventing a burglary. You get a hold of the property owner, they can secure it. I guarantee any property owner in Apple Valley is going to be more than thankful to get a call at 2 a.m. to say, hey, your business was unlocked. Right. Oh, crap. Hey, can you shut the door? And, you know, we'll, we'll put in, we'll punch in the code, we'll lock the door for you, or you come down and do it. But um, there are ways every single day for our staff to get out there and, and positively impact the community. And so that's getting, the first step is getting everyone on board with the mission. And I'm, I'm fine. Like this is our mission statement. It was one that was developed close. I was probably a, a newer Sergeant. We used to have a, a, an older, more lofty mission statement that kind of seemed a little bit more difficult to really identify and, uh, and identify with. Right. Um, and so we, we re, rewrote it back in the probably early 2000s. And even if you don't agree with it 100%, I'm fine with that. But once you start detracting from it is where there's a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's some days that are good days for police officers, some days that are bad, myself included. If you wake up and you come into work and you go, today is not a day that I'm going to be able to positively contribute. <laughs> if you understand <laughs> that, that's great. And you can... Do what you need to do to, to get through that day because we all have good days and bad days. But once you start telling others, hey, we don't need to do this or, you know. Right. Uh, we don't need to write any tickets. That's fine. That's that's where it becomes problematic. So I think the, the first thing is just getting all our staff and the community to understand. Here's what our mission is. First, we serve like at all other costs. We protect everybody. You know, we, we protect. That's That's who we are. We are guardians. We're not warriors. Let's find out ways to improve quality of life. Let's put smiles back on people's faces. I would say in the past couple of years, everybody's quality of life, for the most part, has been affected in some way. I don't think everybody right now is thriving with a smile on their face and at the top of their game. That's just me. So I think there are ways. I, I know there are ways every day where our folks can go out and, and make, a, make the day a little bit better. And for me and for our 
department coming up with goals for the next year on what what do you as a department, how do you as a department want to improve this community is much more impactful and powerful than me writing down a piece of paper and say, hey, here's here's what you need to do for the next year. Here's what I think our community needs. Um, and so our department, we, we've sought feedback from our department over the past um, few months and um, come up with a number of goals. And each one is, there's one goal related to each of our tenants of our mission statement. We have a goal related to service. We have a goal related to education, a goal related to enforcement. And so that was, uh, those were developed with input from everybody from the ground up at the police department. And I think that focusing on that mission is what's really going to bring us to the next level moving forward. I'm a big proponent of continuous improvement. And so creating a culture here within our department of continuous improvement is, right now is just a great time to do it. We've got, we've, we hired 10 new officers alone in 2023. And I think, I don't know the stat offhand, but 40 or 50% of our patrol staff has less than two years experience. So if you want to create a culture and you want to get a train moving, start slow, but now is, is a great time to do it. And it's also a great time to get the community on board for them to understand what our expectations are of our staff and to be able to explain to them what they can expect when they see us. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I didn't realize that we were that young. I mean, I, I, I feel it personally because of where I like, you know, I've been a cop now for 10 years and I never in, a, in 10 years would you have told me like, Hey, you're going to pick number five on the seniority roster for your shift on patrol. I'd have laughed. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. But right now we, we're at this really great opportunity where it's not only admin that's responsible for building that culture, right? Our patrol staff is out there. We should be, uh, as the senior officers on patrol, we should be having a voice as to what that morale and what culture looks like downstairs in the patrol unit. And then the sergeants, the supervisors have a really, like that first line supervisor has a really great opportunity to build that good culture. Yep, absolutely. And it's... We see it because we work here in the police department. We know when there's good things going on. We know when, admittedly, when mistakes are made and no one gets things perfect. But for me, what does it is going to some of these events, these public events, and especially the Teen Academy, the Citizens Academy, and Night to Unite, and hearing from people that, that get to interact with our officers firsthand and just hearing the rave reviews they have about everybody for whether it's investigations or it's a canine demo or it's a, a, a part uh, about duis from our drug recognition evaluators be able to hear that from these community groups is kind of my litmus test in whether yeah. things are going well or not and um and it's again it's a good time now to to kind of reset and just make sure people understand like we're here to, to serve the public and we need to take their input throughout the process and we also for me everything's ground up i mean i'm my history is I, I got 10 brothers and sisters. I'm the youngest of 11. So as the youngest of 11 in a traditional family, you may not think that person has any say whatsoever. I will say that I, I never really got to touch the radio dial growing up until I was like 15 <laughs> or 16 and I, I yeah. had a little more seniority. Uh, but you think about it in a family, like if you had a family, and I, I consider this department my family, and I have a family myself, would I say to my youngest, hey, you're the youngest, you don't have a voice, you don't matter, whatever the oldest one wants. I didn't get that when I grew up. I, I had a voice as the youngest of 11. And so as a head of a department that I consider a family, 
Uh, I, I do that same thing. Like, I don't really know how to be a police chief. I, I'm new to it. I don't know if I ever will. There's no class on being a police chief. Uh, but I know how to how to run a family. I know how to be um, a contributing member of a family. And so that's kind of how I'm running things here. It's like, just get feedback from everybody. And maybe you don't, you won't do something that everybody agrees on. We know that in politics or whatever. Right. You will never please everybody. But at least everybody has an opportunity. And then when you seek input and you you get give everybody the opportunity to have a voice, you find themes, right? And so those two or three themes will come up, and then that's what you that that's the direction you move. Yeah, and, that's a and, focus. And everyone again has an opportunity. Maybe they're newer and and they don't really care. Maybe they're two years from retirement. And I don't really care what you do, but they had an opportunity. And then when those themes come up, you you understand more often than not most people will go along with this. And and we're not, again, looking for perfection. We work in a job where we'll never get perfection. If, right. if I said my goal as a police as a police chief is to get everybody on Cedar Avenue to drive the speed limit, that would never happen. You just, The goal is, more often than not, get most people going with the speed limit. You, you're never going to get everybody. And so you kind of have to have the same expectations with the department. And I think for me, getting input from the department members is um, how we're going to go on and move forward and, and reinvent ourselves for the next generation of our department. Cool. What if the community wanted to have some say in that, or what's the best way for our community to be involved in that growth? What yeah. do you, what do you think? There's all sorts of ways for folks to be engaged. There's a, an email link on our website that goes right to our administrative staff. Uh, there's a phone number to call. Uh, we have social media as well. And we have block captains. We have Neighborhood Watch. We have Citizens Academy, the Teen Academy. But just engaging with us and talking to us is, is the best way to understand. So we have always been open and available to the public. Just like that business that was surprised that the police officers went down and actually helped them because someone yeah. stole from them. Um, I think people are impressed and, and amazed at the fact that if you you call us and ask for something, or you you have an idea, we answer. We we'll, we'll answer your email. We'll we'll call you back. You will talk to someone. So I think a lot of people are just hesitant to engage with the police department, not knowing, not have ever having to deal with us. But figure out a way. I mean, yeah. send us an email. Stop into the lobby and get involved with some of our community outreach efforts. Uh, we also have a, a growing community crime prevention association that's mm. always looking for more community members who are civic minded that, that understand what our mission is and want to support us in our mission. Uh, and that is an opportunity for them to serve and let their voice be heard. Yeah. Very cool. And I might catch a little bit of grief from my counterparts in the patrol section, but if you see us out, you know, I go to Chipotle for dinner sometimes. Um, if you see me in there, I'm always open to having a conversation with the public Anytime anybody wants to approach and chat with me, within reason, right? Like, right. I don't want to be a verbal punching bag for somebody, but right. but I'm absolutely willing to talk with the community when I'm out and I'm just on patrol. So yep. if you see me at the gas station, you see me at Chipotle or whatever, I'm absolutely willing to have a conversation. And I think that's also important. If you see any officer on the street out there and they're not... Now, what we have to understand is that sometimes we might not be able to have that conversation because we're actively investigating right. a crime or the, involved with a working. call. Right. So 
there's a time and place, but if it's a, if it's a time that I'm able to do that, I am more than willing. And I, I'll bring that back to the police department because I, I chat with my partners regularly and we talk about what's happening in the community. So yeah, that's my call is I would say, catch us on patrol. Like, like you said, we're the lifeblood of the police department in terms of, uh, we're the largest unit. And so we can just by word of mouth, we can spread a lot of things and help build better for the community, yeah. right? Like improve that quality yeah. of life. And you can identify you. You're driving a big billboard. You're in a uniform. <laughs> right. You know, like yeah. to, to, to approach one of our detectives is pretty tough because they're in plain clothes. Yeah, they got a gun, little badge, but you're not sure you're looking at them. Are they a Fed? Are they with the county? Might be in Lakeville. Right. Are they, you know? So yeah, that's a great point that our, our patrol folks are the ones that um, are out there most visible and, and we want them to be approachable. Yeah. Uh, again, and I think we we hire we we hire based on character. So we we have not hired a person. And I have again, I've sat through hundreds of interviews. We have not hired a person that says they're going on law enforcement because they like to work alone and, and do their own thing. We we hire them because they like to work in big groups, be a team, and, and help the community. And part of that is informing the community. Yeah. Let's wrap up with something something fun here. Yeah. I know that you're a big music guy, and that is from polka to anything on like it's all spectrum yep. of music if you could go to a concert what's the one concert that you would want to go to i've thought about that a little bit and i do like i i do pandora so i listen to a little bit of everything but you could hear again polka you could hear polka one minute and thunder kiss 1965 by <laughs> white zombie the next uh, so i do listen to everything and part of that i think is a big when I talked way earlier about how, how we grew up and, and like how we grew up really molds how we are as a police officer. Same thing. Like I grew up the youngest of 11. I listened to what my, my sister was 16 years old to me. So I listened to music from the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties. Uh, and so I listened to all sorts of music and, and got to um, appreciate all sorts of music. I think about when I think about this question, it's to me, it's dead or alive. If you could go back in time or whatever, yeah, or see, absolutely. see someone that you'd never have an opportunity to see for me, it'd be Janis Joplin. Like what she did in that short period of time was amazing to me. And so like her and the doors are the same. Like, yeah, I think about how much music and the doors, more people are probably familiar with more door songs mm -hmm. but the talent they kicked out and i think they only did it for like a couple years like two or three years you know yeah they were around for so short and the same with janice joplin and so to be able to go knowing that hey this person's only going to be here for two years whatever and to see that like could you imagine if janice joplin had 40 years of recording right. material you know yeah so that's that's for me is is if i could see janice joplin uh that would be one that i think crossed a lot of bridges and would be one that that uh, would be a bucket list. Do you have a venue in mind? Red Rocks would be yeah, one. That's, I, I've never you, gone there. How can you not want right. to see somebody at Red Rocks? Right. Yeah. So I've never gone there. Um, and I've been there once. Uh, we traveled through and you're able to check it out. And I yep. ran up and down the steps, but um, have never seen a concert there. And that's one. Oh, it's it's amazing. I saw Sturgill Simpson there years ago. And it was yeah like... It's almost like a religious experience. Yep. And when you, yeah, then, and I can imagine you get the right weather. You get a nice night. It's kind of because most of them are evening, right? Like, uh, yeah, either at dark or right at sunset, whatever. Yep. So, kind of brings in the whole outside. Okay, reverse. How about you? Oh man, I've I've 
done a ton of concerts. Um, you know, I, I've traveled for to see people. I saw Cody Jinx at Lee's Liquor Lounge. Oh. You know, I think right 2014, shortly after I'd gotten hired here. Yep. Um, and there were, there were 20 people in the bar and seven of us were there for Cody Jinx. Yeah. But I think I'd like to see Notorious B.I.G. Okay. perform live. Yeah. yeah. I, I think like he was such a cool entertainer. Yep. And again, very short lived um, in terms of like his performance life. Yep. You know, and I've watched the movies on Who Killed Tupac. And, you know, that's such an interesting they, they they just arrested the guy who they believe yeah. killed Tupac. Well, it's recently. like a, it's like a, you know it's like an underworld. It's yeah, like this, this underworld of I guess mystery on on how that all went down and yep. who's responsible, who knew about it, who was tight with them, who wasn't. You know. Yeah, and I just I remember I had a friend give me the give me um, the Life After Death CD. Yeah, you know, when I was fifteen, and I put it on my Kenwood Discman or whatever it was. And I remember just, it totally blew me away. Yeah. I hadn't heard music like that before and I was hooked. Yeah. Kind of similar to you. Like I can, if you, if you look at my Spotify account and my liked songs, there's about 2,500 songs in there, but it's everything from, you know, Andrea Bocelli, you know, classical music all the way up to even, um, what people would consider black metal. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a weird cacophony of noise most times. And that's the one thing we can close with anyone that wants to go into law enforcement. There's an opportunity to become a music aficionado because the amount of time you spend in your squad car by yourself in the middle of the night, that is music. Like a music listener's dream is to have time where you're not bothering anybody else. You can put that, baby as loud as you want and crank it um and so yeah i think it, yeah it might be a, a an easy connection for law enforcement or police police departments police officers specifically and being kind of music buffs because you do a lot of time you have a lot of windshield right. time to to listen to that music and and kind of fine tune what whether you you like music or podcasts or am now i'm getting older so i listen to am radio at certain times but on yeah. my uh on my computer here it's Pandora's going all the time with music in the background. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Chief, thank you very much for your time today. If you catch us on the street, say hi. Absolutely. So. Yep. Take care, everybody. All right. Thanks, folks. Thanks.